Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for His sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Dr. Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you could join me today for this program. A couple of weeks ago, we started Philippians, or should I say, we began the biblical backgrounds and the context of Philippians. But today, we get to jump in and actually open up into chapter one. Our first week, we talked about the Apostle Paul, his important background and his perspective to give us context on the importance of this book. If anyone could earn his salvation, it would be the Apostle Paul. He had the right education, the background, the lifestyle, but he became a champion of grace. And that becomes incredibly prevalent in the book of Philippians as someone who was very learned and accomplished, yet knew that salvation was beyond his reach and that could only come from the grace of God. Last week, we saw the team that was going to build the first church in Europe. It was the centurion, it was the demon-possessed girl, and it was Lydia. And we talked about how God can take anyone and fashion a church that we're still talking about thousands of years later. Well, today we enter into chapter one of this amazing book, and I'm very excited to share this with you. Philippians is possibly one of the most quoted books in the Bible. Passage after passage brings hope and instruction and encouragement to believers. Of Philippians, William Barclay says, For many of us, Philippians is the loveliest letter Paul ever wrote. It has been called by two titles. It has been called the Epistle of Excellent Things, and indeed it is, and it has been called the Epistle of Joy. Again and again, the words joy and rejoice recur. Rejoice, writes Paul. Again, I will say rejoice, even in prison, directing the heart's of his friends and ours to the joy that no man can take from us. We're reminded that this book is written from a prison cell, yet joy emanates from every word on the page. Today, we'll be looking at the first three verses. Yes, I said the first three verses of chapter one. This book is so rich that we don't want to miss a single thing. If we hurry through, we can miss the richness and the nuance that this book has in favor just to get through it. Uh, Jeremy Kingsley once said, don't read the Bible to finish, read the Bible to change. So we're going to take a lot of time to break this apart, to change our lives and change our hearts by reading God's word. Chapter one, verse one, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. This letter sounds like the kind of greeting we would hear in most letters between two people. But don't be fooled. There's richness to be unlocked here. In the beautiful greeting that starts this book, we note a warmth in Paul's writing and demeanor that is unusual for his writing. You can tell of the relationship and the depth of the people that he's writing to. We as Christians need friends like this. We need those who can bear our burdens, those we can share with, 
and it helps bring us along in our faith journey. From last week, we talked about some of the people that were present in this starting of this church, and I'm sure Paul at this point is very proud and happy with the way things are progressing. But starting with the first three words, Paul and Timothy, one of the greatest characteristics of the Apostle Paul is he always has a plus one. He always has someone who's with him. He's always mentoring, bringing someone alongside him, and multiplying his ministry. In this brief passage, you see Paul embody two iconic passages in the Bible. The Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And 2 Timothy 2, 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul is making disciples, entrusting the word of God to faithful men. The word entrust is so important because have you ever been given something very precious? He's entrusting Timothy with the gospel and building him up and creating that mentor relationship so that one day Timothy can grow beyond his tutelage into a man of God. One of the most overlooked characteristics of Paul is his mentoring ability. This multiplication of leaders really helped the early church and left a lasting legacy that though Paul is a huge figure in Christianity, when you think of Titus, when you think of Timothy, when you think of the people that he brought along, they had tremendous success and influence in the life of the early church. In this particular case, it's Paul and Timothy. Servants or bondservants, uh, the doulos of, in the Greek, that term lets us know this work is not about them. It's not about their personal achievement or notoriety. This is about them being obedient unto the work of God. And that's in a very important distinction to make when you're looking at this book and looking at mission work. Servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are in Philippi. This week's passage teems with grace. It even mentions grace. You start with the grace of Paul, who was saved from being a persecutor of the church, someone who's bound into legalism and into pride and all of those trappings. You see the work he's done in the life of Timothy and how that young man has grown in his faith and is becoming more and more strong in his leadership and his abilities and his contributions. And then he shares that grace with the saints in Christ Jesus at the Church of Philippi. We see the bond of Christian friendship and the grace that comes with the saints. They're as committed to this cause as these two bond servants who are out doing mission work. Saints is not a word to be taken lightly. It's one of great sacrifice and consistency and commitment. And we see Paul praising them in this opening passage. The two offices you see mentioned in verse 1 are bishops and deacons, taken from the Greek episkopos and diakonos, represent two different forms of leadership 
within the church that in some cases exists to this very day. You had the bishops, which is very interchangeable with elders. They are overseers. These men functioned in a ministerial capacity, offering leadership and oversight of the church. Titus lists a set of expectations for these men, and they performed a critical function. Deacons, by comparison, more closely translate to servant. These were spiritually minded men who served the congregation's personal needs. In today's times, they would be performing the pastoral care functions of the church that can care for orphans and widows and take that kind of burden off of the ministerial leaders of the church. While both of these roles functioned in a different capacity, they both embodied servant leadership found in Mark 10, 43 and 44. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. No matter the leadership capacity of the church, servant leadership is at the core of it, because it's not about the leader, it's about Christ. Even then, they had people that were fulfilling those roles of an early church. We really see a model for church health here, where you see the friendliness you see the affection, the camaraderie, and the ability to support one another. But also you see the faithfulness of their work. Not only are they saints, but you have, again, bishops and deacons, people that are taking on the leadership roles necessary to move this forward. Friend, that's what a church looks like. They work together. They take things seriously. They do things with excellence. And they do so with a wonderful heart and a great desire to see the gospel preached, even amid difficult circumstances. Verse 2, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We just mentioned the grace that was present in the lives of these two bond servants and the saints and the elders and the deacons, but also to us. Let us remember that grace is the, at the heart of Paul's message and that he is a champion of this. Grace means unmerited favor. That means the glory goes to God and not us, even when we work very hard. D.L. Moody has a quote that says, It is well that a man cannot save himself. For if a man could work his way to heaven, you would never hear the last of it. Why, if a man happens to get a little ahead of his fellows and scrapes a few thousand dollars together, you'll hear him boast of being a self-made man. I've heard so much of this sort of talk that I'm sick and tired of the whole business. And I'm glad that in heaven, we will never hear anyone bragging of how he worked his way to get there. Friend, today is we're opening up this new book as we're looking at the themes of joy, themes of grace and peace. We see the opportunity for us to grow in our faith. May our attitude reflect that grace to where we are humble bondservants of the Lord Jesus Christ in our daily life and in our spheres of influence. William Barclay says, we see the elements of a healthy church in this passage, a pastor and a disciple, such as Paul and Timothy. We see a healthy church that serves Christ. A healthy church is full of true saints. A healthy church has leaders who lead by example and a healthy church experiences grace and peace. Of the final greeting, 
in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tony Morita makes the observation that in the first century, just saying Lord Jesus and not Caesar could be punishable up until death. He goes to ask the reader, is Jesus your king? And I think that's worth considering. Is Jesus your king today? Is there anything in your life that is more important than Christ? Is there anything that is distracting you from your faith? Is your church healthy? Do you have the kind of Christians in your life that you could write a letter like this to and know that they are healthy in their faith, that they're growing, that they love you, that they support you, and that they can help you grow? Other question I have for you today, friend, is do you have grace in your life? Are you trying to earn your salvation? Are you trying to live through legalistic means, following rules, expecting rewards? Oh, friend, as we begin this book, there's no better question I can ask you is, do you have faith in Christ? Is your salvation secure in the saving knowledge that he died on the cross for you, raised from the dead, and you can receive his free gift of grace today, friend? That's the best way we can start this conversation in the actual chapter one of Philippians. Grace is going to permeate all of Paul's life and all of Paul's writings. To miss it is to miss the entire point. Before we move forward, friend, I hope that you will receive Christ as your Savior. And I'll give you the same greeting as Paul did in this book. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless you, and we'll see you on the next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.